And today we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this bank holiday Monday. Help us to use it well to rest and to give glory to you through our rest and through our activities, to do it in a way that is joyful, that is thankful, that encourages those who are close to us. Um, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and please help us to understand and apply today's passage from Deuteronomy chapter 4 as well. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 4. And Moses says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. So Deuteronomy chapters 1 to 3 is a recap of everything that happened the last 40 years. What brought them back to this edge of the promised land? They were there 40 years before. Their parents were there, but they rebelled against God. And as punishment, God made them wander through the desert and brought them back to the same point. All their parents, the original generation that rebelled against God, they all died. But now their children are now about to take possession of the land. And Moses is saying, having heard chapters 1 to 3, having known all the events of chapters 1 to 3, you now will you obey. You now will you act in obedience to God's word. Verse 2, you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commands of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor for that Lord your God for that Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor but you held fast to the Lord your God and all are all alive today sorry verse 5 see I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession of it keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who when they hear all these statutes will say surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people for what great nation is there that has a god so near to it as the lord our god is to us whenever we call upon him And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? So repeatedly, you know, through this command, you know, obey, 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 is God's word, God's words, God's word. You know, um, especially towards the end, it envisages all the surrounding nations going, whoa, look at these guys. Their God is so close to them. How do you know that God is close to them? to them and indeed you know how do you know Uh, when someone looks at you uh, if they do do they see that God is close with you what do they expect to see do you see someone who does miracles someone who's really really happy and someone really really successful no actually what they see is someone who has God's word with them and someone who follows this word you know where where is it Um, verse 7 what great nation is there that has a God so near to it Verse 8, and what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? This law, this word, this Bible is proof 
that God has spoken to us and God is very, very near to us. He's near to us in his words. And therefore, um, the call to Israel at this point, as they're about to do this amazing thing of claiming the promises is to listen. That's all to listen, to pay attention, and to trust in his word. Verse 1 again, listen to the statutes. Verse 2, you shall not add any word. Not, not try to put in your own opinions, but to listen, to take in, to acknowledge that this is God's word spoken to you. And it's confirmed by everything that they've seen. So they've seen amazing things, specifically judgment. Verse 3 talks about Baal Peor, you know, where God destroyed you among you men who rebelled in Baal Peor. And this is back in Numbers something, you know, when the people were enticed to uh, worship Baal into and were enticed into immorality. Actually, incidentally, this morning in our reading from Revelation chapter 2, it talks about the teaching of Baal that enticed people into sexual immorality. And so they were enticed into idolatry, but God judged them. And therefore, God destroyed them. And the only people who are alive are, verse 4, you who held fast to the Lord God. You stayed faithful, and that's why you're alive. That's the only reason you're still breathing today. And the point is, God has brought you this far, that you might continue to live in faithfulness before him. So verse 9, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. And lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, make them known to your children and your children's children how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. So they're meant to know this word, know these laws, know God's word so well that they are able to speak it and teach it to the next generation and to the next generation, the children's children. And this day is so significant. You know, This is the day, verse 10, where you stood before God and God said to Moses, gather them all around, gather them all around to do what? To hear me speak to them, You know, that they may hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on earth and that he may teach the same things to their children. Now, this has two implications. Number one, it's such a privilege that God is speaking to you. Can you imagine, actually, instead of me speaking to you, sorry, I'm holding this upside down. <laughs> imagine if, if instead of me speaking, God spoke the Bible today. God did the daily Bible reading show. Say, oh, wow, okay, if I, if I were there, yes, you know, I would definitely pay attention. But the fact that they are meant to repeat this to their children's children. It means that actually their children won't have this privilege, but they will have you. Your, your privilege and your opportunity of hearing God speak audibly, it's a responsibility as well for you to pass on that word to the next generation. For those who aren't in that position, who those can only hear your word speaking God's word to them. Hence, you know, God uses Moses to speak to them, and God is using them to speak to their children. That's their heavy responsibility. There's that faithfulness, not just in hearing, but also in speaking God's word to others. Verse 11, And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven. So from the 
face to heaven. There's fire, and it wrapped in darkness and cloud and gloom. Kind of scary. Sounds like a volcano. There's fire, but also gloom and cloud. Verse twelve. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sounds of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice, and He declared to you His covenant, which He commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments, and He wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. So, what they saw was this amazing display of God's power and awesomeness of holiness. You know, you can't go to it's fire, it's smoke. You can't touch this mountain. You can't go to this mountain, but you can hear God's voice speaking out of the fire to you. And God says. You saw no form. You didn't see like a figure. You didn't see a mouth, but you heard his voice. So this display of God's power in the fire and the smoke was not just to display his power, but was also to hide, to hide his form, so that you might concentrate on his voice. So the way in which you know that this is really God is not just what you see. Yes, this what you see confirms that this is God. But what you see also confirms that this is God's word, powerful and real and close in speaking to us. Verse fifteen: The implications here, therefore, don't worship idols. Don't worship idols. Verse fifteen: Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire. Beware. Lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth, and beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon. And the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away, and bow down to them and serve them. Things that the Lord your God has allotted to all peoples under the whole heaven. Verse twenty. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of His own inheritance, as you are. To this day, furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you, and He swore that I should not cross the Jordan, and I should not enter the good land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. For I must die in this land; I must not go over the Jordan. But you shall go over and take possession of that good land. Take care. Lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So the warning is against idolatry, worshiping something else that isn't God, but treating it as God. And He gives us a list, you know, a person, another person, worshiping that person. That person is God, and you know, treating that person with the kind of 
overdue honor and adulation that really ought to go to God and God alone or any animals or any things, any created things, which are all, again, good and might have beauty and might have majesty about them, but they are just things and they are not God. And even the sun and the moon and the stars, so celestial, really awesome things. You know, the most awesome thing you can ever imagine, you know, another planet, the universe, and something that really stretches you in terms of comprehending how can this be this amazing thing and still God is not to be measured as that. Not God is alone is much greater and much more grand than that. But the thing is, the fact that God says this, it means that it's tempting. We will be tempted to do this, to give away something that we, are, we should be giving to God, to give away that worship, that honor, that regard to a thing, a place, or a person. But specifically uh, for us as Christians and for them as God's people, it's because we know of God's salvation. And then he talks about God taking us out of this iron furnace that is Egypt. And the idea of the iron furnace is that this is, you know, destruction. You know, um, I don't know whether you are cooking something today or deep frying something. Imagine you're deep frying something. <laughs> I was making fried chicken yesterday. And unfortunately, my batter, I don't know why I did this. I made it like pancake batter. I just wanted to try something different. And I fried it and it turned out to be pancake coated chicken. <laughs> it tasted okay. But, you know, the thing is, imagine you, you are that chicken and you're being lowered into this oven or into this boiling vat of hot oil, you're done for, you're dead. But God rescued you from that. And God rescued you from that destruction, that Egypt, that slavery experience. He's speaking to his people then, the original hearers. And he says, therefore, because you know that everything that God did there, all the miracles, his amazing power, you know, he talks about his arm that he raised them out. And therefore, why should then you question that God is real? You have an added incentive to worship this God, not just because he is God, but because he's the God who has saved you out of destruction, saved you out of slavery, out of death. And he's given you this good land. So it ends with this reference to this good land, verse 21. Um, but, but notice that it's kind of bitter. So it's good. But Moses says, I can't go to this good land. Verse 21, Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you. He swore I should not cross the Jordan. I should not enter this good land. So God is giving you this blessing, this good land, which I cannot go to because God was angry with me, Moses said. I can't go in, but you can. So it says, I must die in this land. Verse 22, but you shall go over to that good land. It says, you guys have it so good. And here you, you, you start to hear that Moses is saying, you have such a unique and blessed opportunity to respond to God so much more than even I do. You know, um, maybe, you know, they were looking up to Moses and thinking, oh, wow, you know, Moses, you have this relationship with God. We don't have this. How can you expect us to have the same kind of faithfulness and Moses like you you are the ones who get to go in I'm stuck here I'm going to die here but God has given you finally all the promises and fulfillment of his blessing and his love to you that I won't have so the question at the end of the day is will you forsake this will you forsake this God having received so much from this God not least you know his words his salvation, and so the fulfillment of his promises in this good land.
verse 25, when you father children and children's children and having grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you're going over to the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. So he's talking about a scenario whereby you've received this goodness, and so far, so far, so good, you know, if you obey God, but then in your old age you sin. Then in your old age you forsake God, and, you know, you provoke him, you, know, you do what is evil in his sight, and you start bowing down to carved image, or, or rather you make the carved image, and then you worship this idol, then Moses says, I call heaven and earth, I curse you. <laughs> and you can understand why, you know, Moses is the one who's dying here and you get to receive these promises. But then somewhere along the line, you take it for granted. And it might be further away down the line when you're old, after you've experienced a, a full life of God's blessing and then you sin and then you fall away. And Moses says, I will be the first <laughs> to, to call you to witness, to remind you, ha, huh, you took God's, promises God's love for granted. And, but here, you know, it's talking also about a judgment that will come. You know, the fact that Moses says this, it's not just bitterness. Oh, you know, spoil, kind of like sour grapes, you guys. Oh, I don't get to enjoy this thing. But he's saying, kind of saying, foreshadowing and prophesying that, you know, this will happen. You know, the people will fall away. God's judgment will fall on the land and the people will be judged as a whole and kicked out of the land. He's foreshadowing something that will happen and indeed did happen in Israel's history. And this is verse 27. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So this really happened. You know, uh, he's foreshadowing something that will happen a long time in the future, at least from this point of perspective. They haven't yet re even received the land. But Moses is saying, you're going to receive the land. You're going to stay, stay in it. But God's going to kick you out eventually because God knows that you're going to rebel against him all these warnings he gives again, don't worship idols, don't worship idols. You're going to worship idols. And God is going to judge you and chastise you. And that's such a fancy word. He's going to punish you for that. <laughs> but with the intention that you might call out to him. So he's going to scatter you. And this, this prefigures the time when you're going to be kicked out and dispersed across the land. It's talking about the second exile. Uh, and so um, they will go there and they will serve gods of wood and stone, you know. But from there, verse 29, from these foreign lands where you're worshiping foreign gods, you will seek the Lord. You'll seek him and you will find him if you search after him with all your soul and with all your heart. And it's a strange situation. 
where God is saying, "During this time of punishment, you will turn back to me. During this time when you've lost everything, all the blessings that you're about to receive now, and you've lost it all, and you realize, why did I do that? Why did I mess up? You know, and you turn back to God, and you seek Him, and you there He is. You will find Him if you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. You will find Him." And then you will return, verse thirty, to the Lord, and you will obey His voice. So there, I I don't know what this does for you, and whether this sounds familiar, whether this is something that is scary, maybe even that God for pre uh, predestines or maybe even um, anticipates your sin that you're going to do against Him. But what it says is that God is not surprised by it, and God is even able to use it. God's even even able to use all those things that you're ashamed of, all those things that you didn't want to do, but you did do in the end. But use it in such a way as to bring you to a situation whereby you repent and you actually seek God even more passionately and sincerely and truthfully than you are now. And you'll find Him, and He will restore you, and He will show you His goodness. Verse thirty-two. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you. Sorry, this is quite a long chapter. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Since the day that the God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether such a great thing as this has ever happened, or was ever heard of, that any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as you as you've heard, and still live. Or has any god ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation, by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God, that there is no other. Besides him, verse thirty-six. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you, and on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after him, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations. Greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore, today, and lay it on your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Therefore, <coughs> therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you, and your with your children after you. That you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Verse forty-one. Then Moses set apart three cities in the east beyond the Jordan, that the manslayer might flee there. Anyone who kills his neighbor unintentionally without being at enmity with him in time past, he may flee to one of these cities, and save his life. Bezer in the wilderness on the tableland for the Reubenites. Ramoth and Gilead for the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. Verse forty-four. Just a few more verses to go. Verse forty-four. This is the law that Moses set before the people of Israel. These are the testimonies, the statutes, and the rules which Moses spoke 
to the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt beyond the Jordan and the valley opposite Beth Peor in the land of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon, whom Moses and the people of Israel defeated when they came out of Egypt. And they took possession of his land and the land of Og, the king of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites, who lived to the east beyond the Jordan. From Aruwar, which is in, on the edge of the valley of Arnon, as far as Mount Syrian, that is Hermon, together with all the Arabah on the east side of Jordan, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, under the slopes of Pisgah. So there we go. That's Deuteronomy chapter 4, um, reminding us that we have God's word. Even today, we have God's word. Um, and that's a sign of his nearness. People are meant to almost envy that that we have a God who is so close to us that he speaks to us and enables us to hear his voice. So the response is, listen, obey, don't turn away from it, don't worship other idols. And the idea of idols is that something that is more than words, you know, something that gives you form, something that gives you something attractive to look at and to worship, but it's God, no, no, God gives you his word that you might focus on his voice, that you might obey his commands, and you might stay true to his promises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks to us even today in Christ of your promises that are even greater than this promised land of heaven, of forgiveness, of salvation in him. So remind us, Lord, and help us to stay faithful to it, to hold true to it, and to live it in such a way that all glory, all all majesty, all praise goes to you and to you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me. This has been the Daily Bible Reading Show. We've just looked at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Take care and God bless and bye-bye. <laughs>